My brother? Amen. 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 Well, good morning. A little on the puny side. Let's try it again. Good morning. Just because Brother Kyle isn't here don't mean we can't get excited, right? I just found out something I really didn't know. I saw this on the pulpit, how it was rubbed off. And I asked what in the world was going on. They said, that's how Brother Kyle, he rubs on it. Well, now I know what happened to his hair. <laughs> It'll come to you. You'll get it. <clears throat> what an honor and joy it is to be here. It's uh, uh, that Shepherd's Oaks Baptist Church. Love you. I consider ourselves family. Um, you know, some of my family does come here, and, and uh, I appreciate how y'all minister to them. It, it's a sad occasion when a pastor leaves the pulpit just because he's having another grandbaby. I just, you know, of all the things in the world, you would think it'd be something big. Yeah, and I'm sure he appreciates the war outness that he is right now. He loves being that way. But it is an honor and a privilege to be with you. Uh, I was talking to Brother John a little bit earlier and I told him the story about this uh, pastor who had gained a good bit of weight. And one of the reasons being was the fact that uh, as pastors, we sit behind a desk all the time. But also, he rode by his favorite bakery every day. And he would stop and get donuts and, and danishes and cookies and cakes. And he put on a lot of weight. And he went to the doctor, and the doctor told him that he needed to lose weight, which, why is it always a fat doctor telling us we need to lose weight? You know, it kind of boggles your mind, doesn't it? But anyway, he went on a strict diet and in doing so uh, started a regimen of exercise. But he also told his secretary, I got to take a new route to the office so I don't pass that bakery that I love so much and be tempted to go in there and get some of those sweets. So after about six or eight months, he'd, he had lost a good bit of weight, was feeling real healthy. Well, he came into the office and he had two dozen donuts and a big old cheesecake. And his secretary said, Pastor, what in the world is going on? You on a diet? He said, yes, I am, and I've done very well. I've lost a lot of weight. And, you know, one of the reasons was because I took a different route to the office so I wouldn't go by that bakery that I love and be tempted. Well, this morning I took my old route. Well, as I was passing my favorite bakery, I prayed. And I said, Lord, if you'd like me to have some of those sweets that I love so much, would you open a parking space right at the front door? And he said, and you know I had to drive around that building nine times before God answered my prayers. <laughs> kind of sound like some of us, doesn't it? Well, it is an, indeed an honor to be here. As I, as I spoke with Pastor Kyle uh, Friday, uh, Friday or Thursday, about filling in for him as he was getting ready to go to, to Greenville, and um, God kind of put upon my heart, uh, or I thought, a sermon for, for this church body. And that's how I pray when I go to preach somewhere is first thing, God, what part of your word or what essence of your word will meet the needs of this church family? And I thought I had it till yesterday afternoon. And God said, I have something else that I want this church to hear. And I think it's very pertinent today. So if you have your Bibles or your phone app or whatever you're going to use, will you take it and open that to Ezekiel chapter 33? Ezekiel chapter 33 is known as the Watchman passage, and we'll be studying on this topic this morning, sounding the alarm. Ezekiel 33, verses 1 through 11, sounding the alarm. You know, in life, there's a, as Brother Beal stood up and he talked about, about Dorian, the uh, hurricane that has come, and he was sounding the alarm, was he not? Uh, you hear uh, different alarms go off or, or, or you hear uh, sirens going off. That's an alarm sound. There's something going on, impending danger or the necessity of getting somewhere. 
when I pastored up in Virginia, we had a lot of coal miners in our church. In one particular family, the Klein family, they owned like three or four different coal mines, had all this coal mining equipment. Well, their children were used to being around heavy equipment and hearing the alarms that went off when a, a piece of machinery was to be cranked up or something. Alarms would go off to warn people not to be around it. Well, Brother David Klein was telling me one, one day that him and his little son was in a grocery store. And I love the name of the grocery store in, in Tazewell, Virginia. It was Acme. Y'all remember Acme supplies at the Roadrunner and the Coyote used to get all the time? He ordered from Acme. We had an Acme grocery store. And David was telling me how him and little Zach was in the store one day. And as they got up to the, the checkout counter, they were standing behind this real large man. And you know how little kids are. They're observant, but they don't always have the courtesy of not saying the correct things. And he looked at his daddy and said, hey, daddy, look at that man. He's fat. And David said, son, you shouldn't say that. And he said, but look at him. He's huge. And as Zach started to say something else, David put his hand around his mouth so that he wouldn't say it real loud and this man would hear him. Well, the man had a pager on his hip at that time. And you know, do y'all know what pagers are? It was before my time. I read about them. But he had a pager on his hip. And about that time, the pager started beeping, and little Zach broke, broke loose from his daddy. He said, look out, daddy's backing up. <laughs> so there are warnings, and, and there's alarms to be sound. And I think in God's Word, we will see that this morning. So I'm going to ask you, if you can, to stand in reverence to the reading of God's Word, and you'll follow along as I read aloud. Ezekiel chapter 33, beginning in verse 1, and we will read on down to verse 11. The Bible says, and again, or Ezekiel says, and again, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, son of man, speak to the children of, of thy people and say unto them, and notice this word, when, God says, I bring the sword upon the land, if the people of the land take, take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, if when he sees the sword come upon the land and he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not the warning, if the sword come and taketh him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heareth the sound of the trumpet and he took not the warning, his blood shall be upon him, but he that taketh the warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchmen see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and doth take any person away from among them, uh, he is taken away in his iniquities, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, son of man, God says to Ezekiel, I have set thee a watchman to the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. When I, say thou, uh, when I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die if thou dost not speak to warn them, God says to Ezekiel, the wicked man from his ways, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if, I, if thou warn the wicked of his ways, and he turns from it, uh, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thine own soul." Therefore, God says, thou son of man, speak to the house of Israel. Thus you speak, saying, if our transgressions and our sins be upon us, and we pine away in them, now should we live, uh, should we then live? As I, as, as, excuse me, say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. Why will you die, O house of Israel? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this time to be here with this family of faith. 
known as Chevis Oaks Baptist Church, a lighthouse for this community, uh, a, a hospital for help for the sick sick. And yet God is a fellowship of believers that join together uh, Sunday after Sunday to hear the word of God, to be edified, to grow to spiritual, spiritual maturity. And Father, I thank you for Pastor Kyle Waddell and the stance that he takes in his conservative belief to stand on the inerrant, holy, authoritative, living word of God and to preach it every Sunday. We pray for him and Amy and for Emily and this new birth that they have today that you would bless them in a very special way. And God, but for us who are here today, May we hear from your word. May the explanation of the Holy Spirit make it simple and plain to us. And Father God, I pray the Holy Spirit will draw each and every one of our hearts to be obedient to the word of God and not just hearers only. And God, that you would move mightily today in this service. Lord Jesus, we come to honor you. We come to bless you, and we pray that you'll bless us. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. Would you be seated? Thank you for honoring the Word of God. Sounding the alarm. It's very important that uh, alarms are sound, especially when we think about this hurricane coming our way. And, and uh, I, I was talking to Brother Beal, and I was thinking about to September the 16th, 19, or two years ago, when, uh, when Hurricane Matthew come through. You know, that was 40 miles off our coast, but look at the damage that it caused. Uh, Brother Bill was talking about uh, reading out of Matthew and studying Matthew this morning where it says, take no thought for to tomorrow for sufficient is the difficulties of the day. I can't even preach out of the book of Matthew anymore. Uh, that was such devastation, such hardship here. Hundreds of trees or thousands of trees down, and it didn't even hit us. You may not even recognize that there was plenty of warnings that came out, and by the grace of God, he pushed that storm 40 miles off coast because it hit at high tide here. If it would have been a direct hit to Savannah, most of the Oglethorpe Mall would have had two to three foot of water in it. It's low-lying areas. That's flood zone there. All of Skidaway Island, uh, Wilmington Island, Tulahee Island, Tybee Island, that would have been underwater. Water would have run all the way up to Hunter Army Airfield. But God pushed that thing off the shore, and the, the, the circular motion of the wind pulled the water back out. It didn't hit us. But there was alarms that were sound. In our passage of Scripture this morning, we see where God tells Ezekiel for the children of Israel, his chosen people, the Hebrews, that there needs to be a, a warning sound. And first he gives an illustration. He gives the illustration of the watchman. The watchman had a job, and uh, he even had to put himself in harm's way. But it's like in, in the military, and many of you have been in the military, you know about military. When they go out, they would put a sentry out somewhere to watch to make sure that if the enemy approached, that they would sound an alarm to protect their soldiers, their comrades in arms. And that's what God says to Ezekiel. He says there, hear the word of the Lord and, and speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them. And I notice he says, when I bring uh, the sword or, or there's coming a sword and God's going to bring it. And he says to them, if the people of the land of their coast set them a watchman and if uh, when the sword comes upon the land, he blows the trumpet and warns the people. That's his job. His job is to be out there to look for the enemy during the nighttime hours or even the daytime hours that the enemy approaches. He's to sound the alarm to protect the, the army, to protect the people. 
And if he doesn't sound that alarm and grave things can happen, they can be overrun and many people can be harmed, many people can be killed. And God puts it in, in plain English there. He says, if you sound the alarm, if you blow that trumpet and you warn the people and they hear that trumpet and they take not that warning, in verse 4 there, the sword shall come and take him away, but their blood shall be upon their own heads. In other words, if that that sentry is out there and he's watching in late at night and all of a sudden he hears the enemy approaching and he makes the warning sound. He blows the trumpet or whatever it may be and the rest of them still just stay asleep. They don't get up and they don't do anything and they get overrun. It's not that watchman's fault. He did his job. Their blood is on their own hands, on their own, on the, on their own head because they didn't heed the warning. Does that make sense to you? This is yes, this is no. Does it make sense? It's pretty simple, isn't it? Now, if they heard the sound of the trumpet and they took not the warning, their blood shall be upon them. But he that taketh the warning shall deliver his soul. If that watchman is out there and the enemy approaches and he sounds that warning and they hear it, they jump up and they go to arms or they flee or whatever they need to do, then they'll be delivered. They'll be safe. They'll be saved. And then God speaks to Ezekiel about that watchman also. For if the watchman see the sword come and he blow not the trumpet, then the people uh, shall not be warned and the sword shall take any person from among them. He is taken away in his own iniquity, but his blood, God says, he will require at the watchman's hand. If trouble comes and the watchman does not sound the warning, then all the people may be destroyed uh, because of what they've done, their lack of, of getting ready for the, the fight or for the battle. But the, in, in the essence of sin in their life, the blood shall be upon their own heads. But God's also going to require of that watchman. He's going to require that watchman to, uh, if you don't do this, then I'm also going to require something of you because you've got a responsibility. Their blood shall be upon your head, upon your hands, because you were not willing to blow the trumpet. Now, I would imagine sometimes in military life when young men especially are out uh, like in Vietnam or, or Afghanistan or Iraq and they're out there on a post all by themselves and the enemy creeps up and the enemy surprises them, uh, the, probably the first inclination they have is to flee, to run away. And if they do that and their comrades in arms, their, their fellow soldiers get harmed, the army's going to come looking for that watchman that left his post. And their blood's going to be required at his head, at his head, because he left what he should be doing. He didn't carry out his duty. Even though his life may be in harm's way, it, please hear my heart. It's not that, that God would want anyone to die, but it's better for that one to die than the whole army to die. Does that make sense to you? That's the watchman's job. He's to be the alarm for the people. He's to blow the trumpet as a warning. Uh, those that hear and do not obey, their blood will be on their own hands. Those that hear and obey, they will be saved. But if that watchman does not sound the warning, the people may die in their own sins, but God's going to require their blood on the hands of the watchman. And then God takes it to another level. Notice there in verse 7, he takes it now to Ezekiel personal. First was a general understanding of what a watchman's position was to sound that alarm. And then God says to Ezekiel in verse 7, he says, Thou son of man, I have set thee a watchman. Now he's made it very personal. Ezekiel, I'm talking to you now. 
I made you a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore shalt thou, thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. And when I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, why hast thou surely died? If thou uh, dost not speak, then warn the wicked of his ways. That which wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thy hand. And he's talking to Ezekiel. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his ways, and he turns from it, uh, if he do not turn from his ways, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thine own soul. God says to, to Ezekiel, let's take it to another step. First is the generalization of the job of the watchman to sound that alarm when, when, when uh, evil comes or when harm comes. And he said, now, Ezekiel, I want to tell you, I made you a prophet. You're a prophet to the children of Israel, my chosen children. And I've chosen you to speak to them, thus saith the word. And actually in Ezekiel, where I've been doing my devotion for the last two months, and it is amazing how many times it says, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. Affirmation after affirmation after affirmation that this is God Almighty speaking. And he says unto Ezekiel, thou son of man, which was the main term that Jesus Christ liked to use for his own self, son of man. So God is saying to Ezekiel, I'm telling you, you're going to be a watchman for, for Israel. And I can imagine what Ezekiel see, is thinking. Are you kidding me? This knot-headed group of people, you call them impotent, you call them hard-headed, you call them stiff-hearted. They never want to listen. They always are contrary to your teaching. They go the wrong way. They won't listen. And God doesn't say anything about that except I set you as a watchman for the house of Israel. And he says to them, he, will, he tells Ezekiel, hear the word of God. Hear the word from my mouth. And then you take that same word and you go and warn the people. You're nothing but a messenger. You're not God. You go to them and you say, thus saith the Lord. If you go back to chapter 2, you'll see where he says to them, you go say, thus saith the Lord, whether they hear or whether they forbear, for they are a most rebellious nation. You go tell them what God said. If they, uh, if they do what they're supposed to do and they, they turn the way they're supposed to turn, then they will be saved and everything will be all right. But if they don't, Ezekiel, then their blood is on their own heads. If they stay in their iniquities, if they stay in their sins and they don't listen to the word of God, their blood is on their own hands. But if you don't tell them, if you don't tell them, thus saith the Lord, God says to Ezekiel, I'm going to requite their blood at your hands. In other words, one day, Ezekiel, you'll stand before me and you'll have bloody hands because you didn't warn the people and they died in their sins and their trespasses. Friends, that's why we have church today. The pastor is only the messenger of God to tell you, thus saith the Lord. He's not to be preaching from Reader's Digest. He's not to be up here giving his own opinions or preferences. He's to be here telling you, thus saith the Lord. And you better be very thankful that you have a pastor who's a man of God who's willing to stand up and do that. Because I know many churches where they don't have preachers like that. You're very blessed here to have Amy. I meant Kyle. <laughs> My bad. My bad. Just saying. So the watchman's job, as we see the generic understanding of what the, a watchman is supposed to do, then we see how God makes it extremely personal for Ezekiel. Ezekiel, I'm giving you a job. And your job is to sound the alarm because the sword is coming. Right? It's not going to linger forever. It's coming. It's coming to the children of Israel. And you'll see that happen because of their disobedience. The sword of God comes down. 
But there's also the Christian's job. This is where the rubber hits the road. This is where it comes to our lives. Notice what it's uh, the same thing that God says to Ezekiel. He basically says to us. We're to be witnesses. We're to be soul winners. We're to be the evangelist of a, uh, of a lost and a dying world. We're the one to go out and say, thus saith the Lord. God's given us his word, has he not? We know what it says. We know that the end is coming, and I really believe it's very quick before Christ comes again. And if Christ comes again, I want you to understand that if he comes right now, many hundreds of thousands and millions of people will die and go to a devil's hell, and their blood will be upon our hands because we haven't went and told them, thus saith the Lord. We have sat back on our laurels, and God has made us a watchman to the world. He's called us to be witnesses for him in Judea and Samaria and, and, and Jerusalem and the uttermost parts of the earth, and we're sitting back thinking, that's the preacher's job. It's your job. It's my job. We're supposed to be watchmen. We're supposed to be going and saying, thus saith the Lord. We hear the word of God, and that is judgment are coming, and we need to warn the people. Here we are with a hurricane way down there in, in, in the Bahamas now, three, maybe four days out for us. Warnings everywhere, and we're telling everybody about it. Friends, what would happen if you know that thing was going to do a direct hit right here in Savannah, Georgia, and your neighbors didn't know about it? You'd run over to his house. You'd be knocking on the door and say, hey, we got to get out of here. There's a hurricane coming. Or if it's a raging fire, hey, we got to get out of here. There's a fire coming. Well, friends, there's a fire coming all right. God destroyed this earth with water, but he's coming back in flaming fire. Jesus Christ left this world as the Lamb of God. He's coming back as the Lion of Judah. And he ain't going to play. He's not going to take prisoners. There'll be no collect $200 and pass go. Either you are or you're not a born-again believer in Jesus Christ and you're living for him or you're going to a devil's hell. It's just that simple. So if you're here this morning, I've just sounded the alarm for you. Jesus is coming back and you better get right with God or you're going to get left. Kind of reminds me of a story. This young man had a had a opportunity to go play a guitar with this uh, gospel singing family. And this gospel singing family was a mom, a dad, and two young girls. And them girls were pretty. And that boy liked him, one of them girls. Boy, he said, I like her. And she says, well, I won't go out with you unless you go to church. So he went to church one Sunday morning, and as they were at, after church, they went to eat. And the dad said, well, son, how'd you like it? He said, I didn't like it at all. Man, that preacher talked about me the whole service. He pointed at me. He did everything but call my name out. He said, I'm not ever going back, but he showed like that little girl. And the dad said, well, that's just how he is, son. He's just, that's his mannerism of pointing and carrying on. He's not pointing you out individually. He didn't talk about you individually. He's just talking about sin in the lives of people. The boy said, I'm never going back. And the dad said, well, finally, I'll tell you what, son. You come to church Sunday morning, you stand back there behind the four-year doors with the glass, and you watch the preacher preaching like that, and you'll see he's not singling you out individually. Well, a young guy came to church, and, and sure enough, the preacher was up there preaching. The preacher said, I want to tell you right now, you better get your life right with God because the devil's standing right behind them doors waiting on you. <laughs> Little boy got saved. He married that girl. That's a true story. But it's amazing how many people will leave here today. That preacher talked about me. He stepped on my toes. I have not left the pulpit area. That's the Holy Spirit of God convicting your heart. 
of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. Oh, my dear friends, I'm here to sound the, 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 the alarm for you today. If we do not tell the laws, their blood will be required at our hands. How in the world can we stand before a loving God who sent his son to die for us, to give us grace and mercy and salvation, and how can we take that to our heart and to ourselves and not tell anyone and end up standing before God with their blood on our hands and think we're okay with that? Friends, we got the good news. We need to be shouting it from the mountaintops. We need to be sounding the alarm because it is coming. If we warn them and they do not turn from evil, their blood is on their own hands, but we'll stand before God innocent. Now, I will tell you, I've been a pastor and a preacher for a long time. I will stand before my God with blood on my hands because there have been opportunities that I've missed. And I hate it. It eats me up. Some of them I'll never get back. Some of them I will never have the opportunity to tell them about Jesus again. One of my best friends growing up was the best man at my wedding. Ricky loved the drug life, alcohol. I did too for a long, long time. God delivered me. I turned my life back over to Christ. I grew up in a Christian family. Ricky did not. And I remember sharing the gospel with Christ, and I'll never forget his words. If, buddy, what you're saying is true, I'd rather go to hell and party with my friends than go to head, heaven with such a judgmental God. I don't know that Ricky ever came to Christ, but I know he's dead now. And if that is the case, he's in hell. I'm innocent of his blood. But there are others that I'm not. And we need to understand that. If we do not warn them from the evil, and they, their blood will be required upon our hands, we must sound the alarm, folks. We must warn them. Every second that goes by gives us one second closer to the coming of Jesus, and you can't get it back. How can we live with ourselves if they die without Christ? Family members, co-workers, schoolmates, folks in your community. Friends, there's lost people everywhere. Kind of reminds me of a story. Now, we're Southerners, so I can get away with this. The president of the seminary, one of the seminaries that I went to, Dr. Gray Allison, told a story about soul winning. He was a soul winner. It doesn't mean that we win the souls. We're just faithful witnesses. God wins the souls. But he told a story about during the Civil War, this young boy ended up in the Confederacy, and he went to his first battle, and his name was Jeb. And he told Jeb, he said, the, the guy said, Jeb, listen, this battle's going to be hot and hard. You just kind of stay to the back. If you get separated from us, just trying to find your way back to us or to another Confederate unit. Well, sure enough, the battle raged, and Jeb got separated from them somehow. I mean, it was a horrible battle. Well, late that night... As the Confederates gathered back together, they set out sentries. Remember the watchmen? And they heard late at night this rustling in the, in the bushes and all and sound like a bunch of people. And the watchman says, who goes there? And Jeb hollers, it's me, Jeb. He said, well, Jeb, you're not alone. What you got there? He said, I got a bunch of Yankees. You ought to come out here and get you some. The woods are full of them. There are lost people everywhere. We ought to just go get us some. It's not our business that they come to Christ. It's our business to say, thus saith the Lord God. God hath no pleasure with people dying and going to hell. 
He says it right here. Therefore, thou son of man, speaking to the house of Israel in verse 10, thus ye speak, uh, if our transgressions and our sins be upon us and we pine away in them, how shall we then live? Say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God doesn't want anyone to die and go to hell. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, he says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but he is long-suffering that his patience towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all men should come to repentance. The devil deceives men. He tells them they're all right. He says everything's fine and all that stuff they're believing down at the church, that's a bunch of hogwash. But friends, don't we know different? Hello, don't we know different? Then why are we not telling the people? I share with folks sometimes, Brother Bill, and I'll ask them the question, what sin is so sweet that you're willing to go to hell for? What sin is so sweet to you that you would give away heaven's glory and being in the presence with Jesus Christ for eternity that you're willing to throw all that away and go to a devil's hell, a place where you'll fall for eternity and never hit bottom, a place where you'll burn forevermore and never be incinerated, a place where you will gnaw your tongue because of the pain that you're in, a place where you'll scream and never be heard. What sin is so sweet that you'd be willing to go to that place? The Bible tells us in John chapter 3, verse 18, that man condemns his own self. He that believeth is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, for he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Are you sounding the alarm? When's the last time you shared the gospel with someone? Oh, we'll tell them about coming to church. Church won't save you. Well, if I can get them here, maybe the preacher will preach. What about you telling them that Jesus loves them, that Jesus died for them, that Jesus rose again to justify them before a holy God, and that he would save their souls if they just give their life to him? If they turn from their evil ways, they'll live forever with him. If they don't, they'll live forever in hell. The question God asked was, why would you die? For what reason would you not turn to Christ. Let me ask you this. And even though this is a hypothetical, this isn't an absolute truth, I'm going to form it in a question. Why would you let somebody go to hell if you had the answer that they need to go to heaven? What could someone possibly have done that make you angry enough or so uncaring enough that you wouldn't tell them about Jesus Christ. Well, their little dog came in my yard and did his business. I ain't telling them about no Jesus. They gave me a funny look. I know they've talked about me behind my back. I've heard people say I wouldn't spit on them if they were on fire. Well, if they go to hell, they're going to be on fire for eternity, folks. Where's the love of God in that? Here's the clincher. We don't let them go to hell. That's not our business. That's between them and God. But how in the world can we sit back and not tell them about the love that Christ has shown us and then end up standing before a holy God with blood on our hands?
Men, you know you're a watchman for your family. And I don't think you'd take that job lightly, would you? You're to watch out for your wife. Would you have anybody disrespect your wife? Cuss her? Your children? How about collectively as the body of Christ here? How about your church? How about your pastor? Would you let somebody talk bad about Kyle? If you got some time, I'll tell you about him. I won't let you talk bad about him. I was pastoring a church, interim pastor. This guy come in visiting, and he come up after the service, and he said, I want to tell you about one of your pastors in the association. And he started, I said, stop right there. I'm not going to have it here. God's blessing here, if that junk is what you got in your heart and your mind, the Bible says you're to go to get right with him, Matthew 18. And if you can't do that, you can just get your little fanny on out of here. And another pastor standing beside me, I can't believe you told him like that. I said, well, you should have. We're talking about God's calling man, preaching God's word, doing the best he can. He's not perfect by any means, but good Lord, don't sit there and put him down in front of me. I kind of love preachers. I are one of them. This morning, I want to make it very plain to you. If you do not have an intimate love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you haven't surrendered your life to him and accepted that free gift of salvation, you right now, at this moment in eternity, are headed to hell. But you don't have to be. You know, God's already done all the work it takes for salvation through Jesus Christ. You know the story about how he died on the cross for your sins, how he went in a grave for three days, how he arose again and walked this land for 40-odd days, seen over 500 as he sent it up to heaven's glory, and he said he's coming back. That's the gospel message. And if you'll believe that by simple faith and just surrender your life to him and just fall in love with Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you'll be saved and you don't have to worry about hell. But if you leave this building today, your blood's on your own hands because you just heard the gospel. And I know you hear it Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And I'm going to tell you, you do not know that you'll make it home. Pastoring over in Albany, Georgia, preaching a message and after the service, why, why is it the front door when you come in and it's the back door when you go out? But I was standing at the doors greeting and this little lady come up and I said something, some of my buddy is a little, you know, sarcastic to her. And she reached up and popped me on the face. And then she pulled me down and hugged me and kissed me. Got in her car, went a quarter of a mile, went to turn on a green light uh, and, uh, with a turn signal and another car come barreling down the road, hit her broadside and killed her. Not one minute away from the church, from a church service. I tell you that to tell you this. You don't know you'll make it home today. But what you better know is where your life will, where you'll spend eternity. Will it be with God's Son, Jesus Christ, in heaven's glory? Or will it be in hell with Satan? And by the way, Satan won't rule hell. He'll be in torment also. And you'll be in torment. So this morning... In a few moments at this invitation, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want it to be crystal clear to you, at this moment in time, you will go to hell if you physically die. But you don't have to. You can go to heaven. And all you've got to do is come forward, let us take the Word of God and go through the plan of salvation with you, surrender your life to Christ, and that's taken care of. Then the hard part is living for Christ every day. <clears throat> now what about you as believers this morning? Are you sounding the alarm? 
You got people in your family going to hell. Well, I can't tell them about Jesus. They'll get mad with me. I'd rather them be mad with me and go to heaven and love me and go to hell. Can you say that? I've ticked off about all my family. I got a daughter and a son who are unchurched right now. And I spoke to both of them this week. And I said, why don't y'all get together and go to church this week? They're both at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Well, Dad, you know what? I said, ah, ah. I don't hear excuses. Why don't you get together and start going back to church where you know you're supposed to be? They prayed to receive Christ. I believe they're saved. They're just out of fellowship with God. I don't care if they get mad with me. I'm their daddy. I'll snatch them up in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Mess with me. How about you? Family members, co-workers, school friends, community people. Have you told them about the Savior that loves you, that you love? How can we stand before a holy God with their blood on our hands? The Bible tells us in 2 Thessalonians that in the last day there will be a great falling away. We're seeing it readily from God's church, from morality, from ethical things, from God's word. And it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. If you look at the United States of America, we're not one nation under God. We're led by hellions. And the reason being is because we, the New Testament church of the Lord Jesus Christ, have been sitting back on our laurels, and we haven't taken the significance of the coming of Christ to be so, so impending that we're not running out there sounding the alarm. It's time we stand up. It's time we speak up. It's time we sound the alarm as loud as we can because heaven and hell weighs in the balance. What are you going to do with this message this morning? What are you going to do with it? It's between you and God. I hope you make the right decision. Let us pray. Heavenly Father God, we thank you for this time to come to your house, sing praises to you, to worship you. But God, even more important than that is to hear from your word. God, your word's plain and it's true. The application of this scripture is that we're all watchmen. We're supposed to be sounding the alarm, and I think that as believers, we're falling very, very short. And I think that as God, as your church, not just Chevis Oaks, but the whole New Testament church, we're falling short. Baptisms aren't happening any, like they ought to. People aren't getting saved. That's our responsibility. And Lord God, one day we'll stand before you with blood of men and women and boys and girls on our hands because we didn't take the opportunity to share with them the love of Christ. Holy Spirit of God, I pray you'll drill that into everyone's heart here today. That you'll set our hearts afire that we could not wait to get out of these four doors, these four walls to get out there and tell someone about Jesus. How he loves us and how we love him and how he'll love them and save them. And Lord God, if there's anyone here today that's not saved, I know that's a churchy term. It just means that they've given their life to Christ and they have an intimate love relationship with him and they're going to heaven. If they're not at that in their life. I pray they'll come on right now and just get this thing right. Lord, our musicians will be pray, playing in a moment. We'll ask everyone to stand very reverently with your head still bowed. And as God moves and God speaks, you come. Maybe you need to get on bending knee and say, God, I'm sorry that I got blood on my hands. I don't want that anymore. And get that right. Make a commitment to him. Whatever it may be, as the Holy Spirit of God speaks to you, I pray that you'll come. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.